Extraction Skull. Dr. Hooks told Geneva that her husband was in his last hour of life. He walked young Emery out of the room, told him to stop biting his fingernails, and to prepare his brothers Tom and Rupert for their father's passing. You are going to bring on Emery's asthma, Junius, said Geneva. He must learn to control the asthma, said Dr. Hooks. Paul's leather-hard hand picked up Geneva Trimble's fingers as if they were made of eggshell. At the head of Calvin's bed stood Micah Cooley and his wife Esther, one to each side, standing like the sphinxes at the Temple of Nineveh, Geneva would say from that day forward. To this day also, Geneva Trimble insists that a circle of fire suddenly rose over Calvin's bed when Esther Cooley began to pray aloud. The Lord's voice spoke, not in an ancient biblical language, but in the King's English any person could understand. It was Esther's prayers that stopped Calvin just short of the gates of heaven and turned him earthward. It was Esther's prayers that got Calvin sitting up and asking for his favorite floating island pudding with nothing worse wrong than a stiff neck. In gratitude to my pa, Geneva Trimble made her first promise of the day to him. Calvin and I will protect your household and children for all the days we have left on the earth. You must never again call me ma'am or Mrs. Trimble. In gratitude to Esther, a second Trimble promise was made. Esther and Micah Cooley were granted their freedom so that they would never be in want. They were also granted their own orchard land. Calvin Trimble asked that his will be brought to him on the might could chance he fell back in a coma. The will was taken from its safe, which lay in a hidden room behind the library. Geneva led my pa downstairs, and he watched her disappear into a revolving panel in a bookcase. Pa examined the hidden spring and the carpentry and admired it. Calvin Trimble deeded over to Esther and Micah Cooley a good mule, a cart, and ten acres of their best Bell of Georgia peach trees. Tears filled Micah and Esther Cooley's eyes as the promise was solemnly made and the will changed to include the Cooleys. My Paul witnessed the new will with his signature, and so it was a legal document. The third promise of the day was made not by Geneva Trimble, but by the Spreckle sisters. Earlier that day, they had watched from their vegetable garden as Pa hauled Calvin off their property. At a decent distance, they had followed Pa up to Longmarsh Hall, bearing arnica root. Being very polite, the sisters did not want to interfere with the goings-on. Actually, no one even knew they were in the house. During the promising and the solemn changing of Calvin's will, the Spreckle sisters perched unseen like twin hedgehogs in the library wing chairs. They only wished to offer their arnica root to Calvin as helpful neighbors. Naturally, the sisters overheard 
every word about freedom, transference of property, and white servants' wages to Esther and Micah Cooley. These things were just not done in the state of Virginia in the year 1848. They also watched Geneva Trimble press a hidden lever behind the world atlas and disappear into a revolving bookcase with her husband's will. Only when she came out again did Geneva notice the sisters, little beady eyes all merry in their wing chairs with their arnica root in a basket. Geneva made the Spreckles swear an oath that they would not tell about anything they had seen or heard that day. Of course we will promise, said Eloise Spreckle, on the Bible itself. It is nobody's business outside this family, agreed Grace. So the sisters was the third sister.